I got my first camera when I was four years old. And growing up, I always wanted to become a fashion photographer. I dreamt of working with the biggest brands and to create beautiful content for the biggest magazines. As I got older and feminist became a big part of my identity, my dreams changed. The beauty and fashion industry is a difficult place to navigate in, and the pressure of looking a certain way is nothing that I want to support. With that said, my passion for clothes has remained the same, but luckily there are more and more companies that provide an alternative to the mainstream fashion industry. Today, I've invited Jasmine, who's the founder of Plus Equals. She recently won the Princess Trust Award for her amazing plus-sized brand. Not only does she make astonishing, sparkly and colourful clothes for people with bigger bodies, but she also uses a diverse range of women and non-binary people as models. She recently collaborated with Sophie Hagen, and her clothes have been worn by Lizzo and Tess Holliday, to name a few. In this episode, we talk about the importance of role models and representation, how she pursued her dream, and how to challenge the fashion industry. My name is Fanny Beckman, and this is Women of My Generation. I feel like I should mention that it's not just me and Jasmine in this room. <laughs> we also have Harry here. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, gorgeous boy. Jasmine's amazing little dog. Yeah. Um, as we talked about earlier, the first time I met you was at our friend's pyjamas party. Yes. And I was kind of sitting in the corner and just with Harry in my lap. <laughs> and I didn't really speak for two hours. And everyone was no. just like, are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm living yeah. my dream. Just literally in love, getting <laughs> all the love you need. Yeah, so he, good. He will cuddle forever, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, but another thing that I love, speaking of, oh, wow, what a smooth transition. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, fashion. Yes. So, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. How exciting. Yeah. Um, so let's just start uh, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, why did you get into fashion? How was it growing up? And, and yeah. Um, well, I think it was very clear to me from a young age, now that I sort of look back, um, that fashion was kind of always it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never a hundred percent sure. I'll get to that. But um, I come from a family of very creative people. So my mum was a creative writer, visual artist. Oh. My granddad is um, a writer, sculptor, mm. painter, poet, um, and my nan was an artist as well. And her family, a uh, long line of Jewish tailors. Mm. So it was always there. 
Um, and I was always encouraged to be very creative as well. So That's so important. Yeah, mm. definitely. And it was always drawing, you know, or painting okay. and making things. Mm. And at that time, it was for me, I loved dolls and having teddy bears, but making their dresses, that mm. was what I was really interested in, was the clothes that they would wear. Okay. Um so and did you make clothes for your dolls? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's how I really started. Yeah. So my nan um, was a seamstress, and she um, spent ten years of her life in Jamaica, where mm. she sewed. Um, in fact, I just found a business plan that she had written in the eighties mm. um, for a sewing business. So she would sew um, and sell dolls on the streets of Jamaica to sort of make a bit of money to feed the family. Mm. Um, and she did the same over here, you know, made things, repaired things, same as her mother. So it was sort of just natural to her to say, well, here's some scrap fabric, let's make something, because we can't afford to go and buy the latest Barbie dress down in no. Woolworths, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved it. Mm. I loved it so much. Um, and it just sort of progressed from there. My auntie, um, who lives in Cornwall now, she got me a teen, I think it was Teen L. Mm-hmm. or L teen or L girl or something yeah, like that yeah. one of the kids fashion magazines mm. um, she got me a subscription of it mm. and I would literally like wait by the door by the, on like the first or second of the month oh, and be like, oh my yeah. god is it coming is it coming back to back read it mm. read it read it but there was always a sort of disconnect with it as well because mm. I was I mean I'm a fat child like I was a fat child mm-hmm. um, I'm fat now and I was looking at girls I would be like oh my god they're so pretty but mm. they look nothing like me okay um, did you remember? Do you remember thinking that, or was it unconsciously? Or um, I think it was unconscious. Mm. It it became more obvious when I grew up into be a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Because this was preteen. Okay. Um. So you know, maybe like eight, nine. Um. So it was sort of subtly, you know, there. Aside mm. from Barbie, who mm. you know has a what two inch waist, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and perfect mm. per- perky tits mm, and mm. you know tiny feet. Mm. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was an unconscious thing, definitely. Mm. Um, was there any kind of alternative to the mainstream media back then? Was, was, um, was any representation that you could identify with or? No, not no, at nothing. all. Um, mm. I mean, growing up in the 90s, early noughties, mm. it was literally the worst thing in the world to be fat. I mean, maybe we're discussing <laughs> um, Harry is attention-seeking again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking of the time when, you know, for me, things that stand out to me in sort of culture, because, you know, it was a family thing where you would finish school you or your after school club or whatever mm. you come home maybe do your homework you go out and play with the, your friends in the street have your dinner and then you watch the telly right yeah. and so it was pop idol and pop stars mm. and i always very clearly remember them turning the fat people away and saying all the ugly people in yeah inverted commas away saying you've got a great voice you've got the best voice we've ever heard but you haven't got a good image um and so that's another thing unconsciously feeding in Mm. and me beginning to realize oh wow okay no fat people really like people who look like me really aren't um to be included in this yeah um so i need to lose weight if i want to be included oh you thought that yeah Mm. Mm. um 
And did you diet at that age? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I was... So I was maybe just started secondary school when I got taken to Weight Watchers. Mm. Um, and this started to eat up my love for fashion a little bit. Oh, did it? Yeah. Um, because this is sort of nearing the time where we were talking about size zero on the yeah. runway. Yeah. Um, we're looking at pictures of Victoria Beckham, mm. who back in those days was uh, very, very slim. Yeah. She still is, but, you know, I think we all agreed she didn't look very well. No, exactly. Um, and proanocytes were taking a lot of attention up. Mm. Um, and it did... You know, I, I've never suffered... I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but mm. I do think I have suffered disordered eating throughout my life. Yeah. Um, in that I thought, you know, it's, it's madness to look back now and think, I'll just make myself sick mm. until I'm skinny enough. Yeah. And then I'll stop making myself sick. Mm. Um, and thinking that everything would be so much better once yeah. you reach that. Yeah, like, exactly. Weight. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And this is, uh, you know, when you love an industry, like, you know, it's not an industry, it's an art, right? Mm. When you love an art form so much. But when you look at it, you're always, like, seen as the worst thing possible. Because at that time, I was just looking at the surface of it, right? I wasn't Mm. looking behind the scenes. Mm. The fat people who also hate themselves Mm. (laughs) working in fashion. Yeah. Um... I was just looking at the pictures and mm. thinking of the pretty gra- gowns, how mm. I'd love to learn to make them. And yeah. And that must have been such a, like, big conflict or inner conflict for you. Yeah. Obviously loving the art form, but not feeling, not really liking the industry. If we separate yeah. the art form and the industry. Exactly. Um, but when did you kind of um, get back to, like, into fashion then? Because you said you lost your love for it yeah. for a while. Um, I think it was, so I had, you know, a lot of it is very interlinked with my, my relationship with my grandmother as well. Mm -hmm. Um, rest her soul, love her to pieces, but Mm -hmm. she was a very tough, no nonsense woman. And Mm -hmm. if at the time when I was a teenager, I didn't want to hear anything. Mm. Um, I just, I didn't want to sort of be told what to do as such so about your body or um, about other things everything everything (laughs) everything Mm, okay and you know I lost my mum at the age of seven and I think I was very much in that backlash as well so me and my nan struggled a bit to communicate Mm. and so I I started resenting her when you know when she'd be like oh do you want to sit and sew this I'd be like no because mm. I know that you're going to nag me and you're going to have a go at me because I'm uh, not doing this right okay. and she was very tough she mm. was a big you know she had she is a big reason of the generational shift in body image and yeah. why I've struggled with that and mm. that's maybe a separate topic but um I I sort of found it again after I'd sort of lost these years of wanting to be creative mm. um in my GCSEs, because I took textiles, um, yeah. <laughs> didn't go very well. Um, what age was that? Um, you take your GCSEs at, f- I want to say 15. Okay. Yeah. So pretty early then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So about 15 or 16, um, I started doing that, and mm. I 
remember so specifically. I can't remember if I've spoken about this on a podcast before. I might have done. <laughs> um, but I I had a teacher. She... I it, So during school, I you know, I, I struggled quite a bit with bullying specifically for the way I look because I'd lost my mum because of multitude a multitude of things oh you were bullied because you lost your mum yeah there was a lot of that as well yeah so I went to a very um a school in a very deprived area it was sixth worst in the country at the time Mm. that I was there Mm. it's become an academy now okay um and it's from a area that is struggling you know Mm. yes so kids are angry Mm. um there's a hierarchy there as well Mm. and it just sort of fell on me as the easy target okay um it wasn't easy whatsoever to get Mm. through that but of course you do yeah Yeah. exactly school years were very tough Mm -hmm. and um I was very quiet I was very shy I was very angry deep down Mm. and when I did try and express myself creatively I just felt a fool Mm. um but I took you know going back to textiles I took textiles and I had a teacher who didn't really like me because I was seen as the sort of problem child and you know Mm. doesn't engage doesn't you know want to listen when they do act up it's annoying Mm. um but I specifically remember her class she handed out the GCSE questions because when you do an art topic you pick like one question and build your project around that okay. uh, there were five questions and she mm. had circled three of them mm. and said these are the ones I prefer you take mm. and one of the questions was um we would uh, you know the requirement was to make a dress mm. and I said I'm doing that mm. but it wasn't one of her preferred questions and um my nan was encouraging me you know she said if it's one you want to do then you've got to do it you yeah. know and I will help you uh, it doesn't matter if she likes her or not and I mm. did it and um, she failed me. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, not my best bit of work, but it was still a finished dress, yeah. which had um, all the influences it needed to. Mm. And, it, you know, that was sort of my introduction into creative academia, I guess. Yeah. So didn't let that stop you? I didn't, but it it didn't sort of stop there. Mm. You know, it mm. it grew when I got to college and... I think at college I had a very pivotal sort of moment where I was like, I can't do fashion. No one's going to take me seriously. Mm. I'm too fat. I can't do it until I'm thin. So I I changed my degree course to go and do music because I was always very interested in music. Yeah. And it was after I did about three months on that and also felt more out of place than I've ever felt in my life Mm. I decided no take this year out work and then go back to fashion okay uh which is what I did Mm. and although I didn't I think I got two or three GCSEs and two A levels Mm -hmm. um it took a while that is what stopped me in the first place was going to the interviews and getting looked at like you know what you know what's she doing here Mm. and no one helped me. I didn't know what to do for a portfolio, so I I went to them without a portfolio. Okay. I went to teachers at my college and asked for help. No one knew what to do. Really? Yeah. It was absolutely crazy. Mm. So I worked really hard for that year and mm. managed to find a place mm. um, at UCA in Kent. Okay. So that's the University for Creative Arts. Mm. Um, and that was on fashion promotion. 
Mm. So I didn't take design. Okay. Which I do kind of regret now mm-hmm. a little bit. What does that mean, fashion promotion? So fashion promotion was um, is a course that covers um, anything and everything to do with sort of mixed media and fashion. Okay. So um, marketing, advertising, oh. styling. Mm. Um, some people take a photography route as well. Okay. Um, no. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, the door's going to go, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> Harry. He's got small dog syndrome. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, it, yeah, marketing, advertising, PR, okay. lots of things. Mm. Um, and I should probably mention as well that during the time I was doing my degree, I had been caring for my nan mm. from about the age of 10, 11. Um, and her illness was sort of ramping up during the time of my degree as well. Okay. So she was in Brighton. I was very reluctant to leave, but she wouldn't let me not go, you know. Mm. Um, but during my final year, I sort of made a move back home because she was in a very bad state. Okay. And I had made her promise me that she would not die before I graduated, mm-hmm. <laughs> which she didn't to give her oh. credit. <laughs> um, and she made it to my graduation. Mm. But I, I struggled again with the same um, issue with teachers that just didn't, I don't know what it is. Mm. I, I hear it a lot with people who do creative courses. Okay. Um, I think it's maybe that they just don't get where some of us are coming from. Mm. Um, it's more like a privileged background. Um, possibly. Or, yeah. It could be that. Uh, it could be because maybe I wasn't as good as expressing myself as I am now. Okay. But at the same time, I think we also need to realise that people in their very early, not maybe not even 20 yet, are that way you yeah, know when you're yeah. 19 20 21 true you are emotionally constipated yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um but i i did make it through mm. and um did you have like any critical analysis of the fashion industry doing your course at all or did you talk about yeah problems with like size zero or anything like that um it, it was a talking point to some extent mm but it was also a talking point that I wouldn't necessarily go into because mm-hmm. I had so many issues with my own body image. Okay. Um, I was always, and not right now as I sit in leggings and a hoodie, <laughs> <laughs> but I was always and will always be very colourful. Mm. Um, my hair was bright red. I'd wear, you know, whatever okay. I wanted, yeah. hats, everything. Mm. And I think I was one of the few plus size people on the course Mm -hmm. that would do that. So I did have one tutor, Sophia, who was very um, sort of a big advocate of putting me forward for things like projects on modelling. So if Mm. they wanted a plus size model, she'd put me forward and be like, you need to go and do Mm. this Mm. because they can help, like you can help style as well. Oh, okay. She always very much liked my style. Mm. I felt proud of that because she was a hard nut to crack too. Mm. Mm. Um... That's so important to having yeah. someone who really believes in you. Exactly. Mm. And there wasn't a lot of them. Okay. But this is, a, you know, again, mm. the education and creativity. Yeah. Um, so there was some of it, mm. but it was more leaning towards a sort of perfected style of curviness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't where I'm at today. Okay. So there was a bit of talk on it. Mm. 
it wasn't a huge thing. And when did you graduate? I graduated in 2013. Mm. I did do a project on plus-size menswear, and I think that really um, challenged me in perception mm-hmm. of plus-size bodies in fashion because I I mentioned it, and everyone was like, oh, ha-ha, yeah, sure. Um, and I said, no, I'm going to do it because, mm. you know, I'm plus-size and I'm interested in menswear. Okay. Um, and... You know, a lot of my friends were behind it, but there was a lot of fat phobic jokes, and yeah. I went along with it because I was mm. like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, you know, mm. it's funny," but it wasn't, and it was very hard to do. But I did do that project, and it got a lot of people talking. Mm. Um, I think it was put on Tumblr, and it got quite a few um, reposts, and mm. it, you know, that was a good way for me to sort of try and link it. But yeah. I never accepted my identity as someone plus size so I never saw a career path in it after okay. uni but also that's 2013 that's yeah. six nearly seven years ago nearly seven <laughs> years ago yeah exactly and I recently read a post it was actually Lizzo who posted on Instagram that she never thought that she would be seen as mainstream because mm. she's yeah. a fat black woman yeah um, but now she said herself that she feels like she's mainstream and, you know, yeah. she is. She's yeah. everywhere. Absolutely. Um, is this a change that you've seen yourself, um, like comparing to 2013 when you graduated up until now? Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, my God. It... It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 100%. You know, even at the point of setting up my business, Mm. it was setting up my business that I found the fat positive, fat activist community Mm. um, and body positivity, which I have my own issues with. Um, But as a whole, that community changed everything for me. Okay. Um... And having seen it grow from being, like, an early-time Instagram user (laughs) to where it is today Mm. is incredible, you know. To watch Coachella Mm. and see Beyonce have plus-size black women at the forefront, Mm. I nearly cried. To see Lizzo Mm. on Glastonbury... Mm. Mm. I nearly cried. You know, it's so important yeah. to you know for people to see this exactly, and for us to try and normalise it. Mm, mm. But at the same time, <laughs> it's a double edged sword because it brings out the nasty mm-hmm. in people. Mm. You know, there's a lot of backlash. Okay, a lot of health concern trolls. Oh yeah, um, oh. and that's hard to mm, see. Mm. Um, yeah, so much so, phobia as well. But 
again, it's so important with representation and with role models. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I feel hopeful for the future generation yeah. who sees all this. But again, as we talked about earlier, we kind of have a little bubble. You choose who you follow on Instagram, yeah. and there's also lots of other people who kind of promotes the diet culture on yeah. there. So, yeah, it's really difficult to, yeah. to navigate in. Um, but, yeah, let's um, go back a bit again. Mm-hmm. So you started Plus Equals a few years after you graduated? Yes. Yes. So when was that exactly? Uh, that was 2016. Yeah. Um, I'd spent about a year, no, nine months mm-hmm. maybe, looking for work after I finished uni. Okay. Um, the goal at the time was to be a stylist mm-hmm. um, and creative director. And I was really interested in menswear. Mm. Um, but it was tough because... I, and I... You know what? I, I, I have no idea what it's like still today mm. for mm. kids finishing uni. Um, but at the time that, you know, a few years ago, it was a case of you're in London and mm. you're doing a free internship mm. and you might get your travel covered... Or you work and freelance and try yeah. and get work that way and yeah, assist yeah. and go and volunteer and go to every opportunity. Mm. Um, and I, I, I couldn't do You know, I had responsibilities at home. I couldn't go to London. No. We, I didn't have the money. Yeah. So once I'd figured out how I wanted to do it, I got my job back at O2, the phone shop, Yeah. Um, which I'd left before I'd gone to uni. Okay. Um, and was trying to freelance on the side as well but that mm. was so tough yeah so 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 tough yeah it is. and the opportunities in Brighton for fashion is mm. really quite limited if mm-hmm. you're not studying okay um so I was doing that caring for my nan freelancing doing lots of shoots trying to get involved mm. um I did a lot of work with Brighton Fashion Week as well okay. during uni and post mm. Um, as but, a stylist then? Or? So I was a stylist on there last year, mm-hmm. um, but in the few years before I was a model coordinator okay. and then I'd worked up to a casting director. Mm. Um, so I did all sorts of different stuff really. Yeah. Um, but my nan passed away mm. um, in 2014, I want to say, late 2014. Mm. Um, and that was changing point for me really yeah it must have been yeah um you know you sort of regrieve as well when you're when you're a child and you've lost Mm. um because at the time you don't understand what's going on you know and it's quite nice at the time I'll say Mm -hmm. um but when you're an adult and you go through it again it it's um it's a very humbling experience yeah I'll say that and it really gives you time to reassess your entire life. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. But mm. I found myself... You know, I've always had depression. I've always had anxiety. Mm. And I have very little doubt that if my life had taken any turn, different turn of events... Yeah. That that, you know, that anything would change. You mm. know, I think I'd still have depression because it's in my brain. Okay. Um, But that was sort of pit bottom, rock bottom for me. Yeah. Um, I was signed off of work for three months. Mm. Um, I didn't really see anyone in that time. Mm. Maybe saw my family, mm. but not many of my friends. No. Um, That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. But I, that time I did take, 
I was thinking, 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 yeah. and it was my, you know, talking with my amazingly strong female women aunties who are so supportive, mm. who were saying, you can do this, you mm. know, let's find mm. a way to get you mm. into what you enjoy, yeah. to give you a fulfilling life, mm. but that also earns you a living. Mm. And so that's where I sort of sprouted up the idea of running um, a vintage and upcycled plus size label. Yeah. And it's sort of grown up from there, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what a journey. Yeah, yes. it's been quite crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Just going uphill all the way. Yeah, mm. it's, 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 in, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it just hasn't sunk in mm. at all. But it's, it's been the thing that's sort of really saved my life. Because mm. I was so put off from being an, involved or named with anything plus size. Mm until I had lost my nan because a lot of the pressure that she had put on me Mm. was around my body. Oh, okay. And we had had a really awful argument Mm. and I had had to move out of the house Mm. um, because she had said to me, I was working with a friend who was an amazing model, Mm. um, is an amazing model, and I was trying to get her portfolio together and help her get signed okay and my nan had said to me that could have been you if you'd lost weight oh wow and I I couldn't you know that that phrase on its own sort of symbolized a lot of the years I had Mm. um and I think when you're a carer for someone terminally ill you do have to have an extraordinary level of patience yeah for sure and you have to try and be extra forgiving Mm. but there is always a limit yeah and that, for me, was my limit. Mm. Um, but when she had passed away, that that part of her illness had gone. Mm. And that had gone from me as well. Mm. And the stress in my life was so much that I did lose a lot of weight very quickly. But I was also too poor to afford to get the bus to work because I was mm. living off sick pay when mm. I did get back to work. Yeah. So I had to walk an hour to work oh. every day mm. there mm. and an hour back. Mm. And I... I enjoyed the clarity of walking, but I was losing weight, losing weight, losing yeah. weight. And it's it's mad to say this now, because I loved the compliments that I was getting mm. at the time mm. on how great you look. Yeah. You know, it, people would say, yeah. I love your outfit, but mm. not, you look amazing, mm. you know? Because society always seemed to think yeah. that losing weight is a good thing. Yeah. But quite often, it's yeah. related to depression mm-hmm. or, or other illnesses. Or, yeah. Or eating disorders exactly Mm. Mm. and it's again looking back on it now it's so it's so mad that I was accepting all these compliments you know I loved it and I loved how I felt as well Mm. but I also then started to have this epiphany when I had launched my business and started learning more and researching more about the fat community that Mm. I never needed to feel that way right I was, I'd been sold that that mm. dream. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a profit mm. for someone. Exactly. My deepest insecurities, my at one point, my desire to not be on earth anymore, mm. had a lot of deep links into the way I look because it, it was the way I was perceived. Yeah. You know, when when you're fifteen and no one wants to sit next to you on the bus, that's embarrassing. Mm when you're 15 and you don't want to eat in public, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah, definitely. And it, it builds and it builds and it builds. And when 
someone that you love very much is also reminding you that you're wrong every day, mm. um, it begins to feel right when you lose weight. Mm. And you're like, finally, like, yeah. look what I've done for you. Mm. And it, it, I realised when I started to put weight back on, mm. I was like, why did I spend all these years thinking I'll wear that when I'm, when I'm slim? Yeah. Because my self-worth is... Mm equal as it was when I was seven stone lighter as it mm. was when I was ten stone heavier as I am right now yeah and that fat is not a bad word no, no. <laughs> but also accepting that I'm never going to be a size eight or ten no. I'm always going to be who I am because mm. genetically that's who we are yeah yeah but also this is how I'm built mm. and that's okay yeah and my health is no one else's business but my mm. own mm. But that's a daily practice that you've got to keep reminding yourself yeah. because we're constantly being told, no, you can look better, you can look mm. better, you can look better. Mm. And I just don't buy it anymore. No. So instead of like just accepting these companies making profit, people's insecurities, you kind of created the clothes that you wanted to wear yourself yeah. then and that you felt comfortable in, I suppose. As yeah, well. definitely. Mm. You know, I, I always wanted to... A big turning point creatively for me, and I hope no one laughs at me. You can laugh at me if you want. But was uh, <laughs> was Lady Gaga? Mm. Um, she came out. She was wearing wigs and the craziest shit you've ever seen, and meat dresses, and mm. yeah. you know oh, yeah, that. dresses mm. with electric wings, mm. and was hanging from the ceiling, bleeding because mm. it was a statement on the paparazzi. Mm. You know that was. David Bowie to me you yeah. know that was I want to be that mm. you know mm. and that really drove a lot you know red lipstick I could never wear red lipstick because I didn't want to be seen uh, but then I was like I'm gonna wear red lipstick fuck you I'm gonna yeah. wear whatever I want every, every day <laughs> exactly and I did and I started mm. to embrace these things color and mm. ASOS had just sort of started and they were dropping amazing things mm. flowers and it was stuff that I could get that me yeah but then when I put more weight on mm. I couldn't no. I had to turn to charity shops mm, and okay. maybe sewing patches on or mm. repairing things and that was a huge catalyst for me thinking I don't want to dress like a news presenter I want to dress like Lady Gaga yeah yeah and I think there are a lot of people out there who do mm. and, and that, how would you describe plus equals then your brand now because it is a lot colour and, and yes. sequins mm-hmm. <laughs> it is um, Liberace on acid <laughs> yes. that's what it is that's amazing yeah mm-hmm. it's unapologetic mm. it's um, vivacious mm. and it is fun mm. I think above all fashion is fun right mm. and it makes you think and it makes you fulfilled and it yeah. makes you feel good mm. and that's I think the most important bit. Yeah. And you recently collaborated with Sophie Hagen as well. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. That's so oh, exciting. Sophie. <laughs> Love her. Mm. Um, Sophie is a huge teacher to me mm. in fat politics. Mm. And I don't know if she will ever truly understand how grateful I am for what she has done for the fat community. Mm. And in general, mm. people yeah. online. Um, she has a big podcast as well. Yeah, mm. and her book, Happy Fat, oh. which mm. is... I haven't read it. 
amazing. Mm. I'll lend you my copy. Oh, yes, it's, please. <laughs> it's the first time I read something and I was like, finally, someone who understands, mm. you know, because mm. stretch marks, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm the only one who has stretch marks. Oh, no. And then I was like, it was literally like, mm. I was 25. That's mm. like three years ago that mm. I found out my friends also had stretch marks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah, so we to, all have them. Exactly. Yeah. And so to, to meet Sophie, who just embraces it all mm. wow life-changing and it was so it was so kind of perfect in in my world you mm. know for me yeah because I I, I mean I followed her for ages but I saw online she was looking for um a jumpsuit mm. in different colors yes it's so simple right yeah. mm. and she couldn't find it mm. and she said oh is there anyone who makes it and I said hi yeah <laughs> <laughs> let me know yeah. and so it was it, I went to London to meet her for the first time. I was like, oh my God, you're so tall. You're so Oh yeah. <laughs> and I went to, went to watch one of the work in progress shows. Mm. And it was, we just kind of clicked instantly. Mm. And I, originally it was just supposed to be, pardon me, her tour mm. outfits for, um, I think it's for the bum swing. Can't remember. Mm. One of her tours that she's yeah. doing. Mm. Um, and she just wanted two colours, mm. very simple. Yeah. And then we started talking more and she's like, we should release these. Mm. Like, people would really love to wear it. Everyone wants to know where my jumpsuit is from when mm. I wear these things. So yeah. let's do it. And mm. I was, absolutely. So I, I said to her, what colours do you want? What do you want it to look like? She sent me some stuff. I made it up and, mm. hey, presto. Yeah. It was so exciting. Mm. And I think it was such a perfect match. And it is such a perfect match because... Sophie always is so inclusive mm. and that is all I've ever wanted to do. Mm. And I think that's why people appreciate us both. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And it's just mm. been great, yeah. you know. But 2019 has been such an exciting year for you. Yeah. Not only with Sophie Hagen, but you won the Princess Trust Award yeah. and you went to New York with them. And yeah. also like... We talked about Lizzo earlier, but she wore your clothes. Tess Holiday wore your mm. clothes. You did the uh, London Queer Fashion Show as yeah. well. Oh my God, you've been busy. <laughs> I know, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a year that I never imagined I could ever have. No. And the most special thing is to share it with people who have seen everything since day one you know like yeah. I've got some people in my life who were family to me mm. you know maybe not blood related but they are family mm. and to have that moment at the Prince's Trust Awards mm. in London Palladium with two of my aunties and my granddad next to me uh, it was <laughs> yeah it was like because they went through it with me you mm. know like mm. It was like a feeling of overcoming that I've never experienced before. So, And to give back, my mm. God, to be an ambassador for them and give back and try and continue their work is just mm. an honour to mm. me. It's so incredible. You just told me that you're doing lots of talks and, and you meet lots of people in the fashion industry. Yeah. And with Plus Equals, who's so different from everything yeah. else that we've seen in media, it's so, so important that, and you're actually changing the fashion yeah. industry. Well, I've always said since I finished uni and since I did so much work in Brighton Fashion Week mm. with, you know, people who are uh, Liz Bishop, mm. um, who works with Extinction Rebellion, yes. Hermione, that's how I met Hermione, yeah. Extinction Rebellion, um, 
I realised just how badly we need a revolution in fashion. Mm. And I... I there was never room for me. No. So I had to make my own space. Yeah. And I think it's important that we remember, especially our generation as mm. well, mm. the generation that has been sort of wiped out, yeah. like financially, mm. and completely pushed off the grid, is that yeah. we have the power mm. to do what we want to do and yes. to take up our own mm. space. Yeah, with social media as well, we have yeah. a platform. Exactly. Which and you know that saying, um, you cannot be what you cannot see. It is true in a lot of cases, yeah. but also someone has to be that person, the yeah. first one. Exactly. And I feel like you are definitely one of those leaders. Oh, <laughs> oh don't. I'll, I'll cry in a minute. <laughs> it's so, I think, you know, social media is so, just like we were saying about other things, such a double-edged sword. Mm. As much as I, um, I hate it mm. and as much as it has caused me a lot of hurt in my life mm. um, and as damaging as it can be, it can be used for good, yeah. right? And we've got to flood the Thebes mm. with amazing work like yours mm. and, and yours. body. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and plus size, fat, queer, black and brown and disabled bodies that mm. and trans people. We got we got to reflect what we see around us yes. in our content, mm. and we got to take back that power. Mm. And it's not easy, you know. Mm. I'm very lucky to be sat here right now. Yeah in this position mm. but that's why I want to give as much back as I can and yeah. try and mentor and establish things and give back and talk about my yeah. life I was very nervous mm. to do talks about my life but if yeah. it helps it helps exactly and that's one of the main reasons why I want to do this podcast as well to think about what we can do for the younger generations mm. or generations um so we talked about the importance of role models and you did talks is there anything else you think that we can do to help um, women of our generation and yeah. women who are younger than us? Um, I think there is a lot of lifting up to do. Mm-hmm. I think that there is still um, a lot of exclusivity mm. um, to yes. certain communities, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and I think sometimes instead of talking, we've got to shut, shut up and listen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, because if we don't listen, we're never going to learn. Mm. But we also need to realise that we're all, you know, and I, we were just talking about Kalechi. Mm. Um, I love the Say Your Mind podcast because, I'm sorry, I hope I can swear. Yeah, um, <laughs> she, she, she has a great phrase. She said, mm. we're all dickheads in recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's 100% true. Yes. Um, we need to you know, hold the right people accountable. But we need to... We need to work hard to lift each other up. Yeah. Because if there are other women or non-binary people not winning, Mm. then I'm not winning. No. So that's the point of my business. Mm. If If it should ever fail to run it with any kind of morals like that, then there's no point in it existing. Yeah. Um, Things aren't going to be you know just to take a little downward turn things aren't going to be easy over the next few years Mm. and i just think showing up is the biggest thing you can do yeah that's so true yeah right we've covered so much now (laughs) we Um, have a bit sorry i've rambled on a bit don't say sorry it's so interesting (laughs) to hear about um your last couple of years and your whole life yeah and i'm really excited to follow you next year i've got loads of amazing plans Mm. um so yeah, I think that's a wrap for now. Yeah. But thank you so much. No, for thank being you. Part of my podcast. Thank you.